to you. Hi, Julia. Sometimes when you visit a place, you're really proud you've done so. And I love to be able to say I've been on the African continent, but particularly South Africa. It's a beautiful country to visit and famous for many reasons, and probably we all know them. But it's well known as a great place to experience a safari and who doesn't want to do that? That's a dream trip for me. And, of course, we've all heard about South Africa's winelands and I bet, Ben, you know about them. Uh, Do you know what? I'm totally jealous that you've been and I actually have not, Julia. I'm thrilled that I'm doing this this time. I'm the the one who's travelled and you have to listen to me. driving the bus. Yes, I'm driving the bus indeed. How... um what was it like and why did you go there? What what kind of drew you to The interesting thing was to visit the the wineries, right. but it was a much broader trip than that, um, beginning in Johannesburg, which is interestingly enough, I think the history of Johannesburg is based on an Australian man who was working on a farm there and he said to the woman who, with whom he worked, this is soil a bit like Ballarat. Ah. And that's how they discovered gold in Johannesburg, which has made it probably the richest city in um, uh, South Africa. I need to double check that, but I've heard that several times over. Wouldn't that be very good Mm -hmm. that we are responsible for Johannesburg's existence and growth and wealth? The other thing that's interesting over there about Australia, though, Ben, just before we get on to how beautiful the country is without us, is that (laughs) somebody, if it weren't him, it was somebody else, introduced eucalypts, Uh gum trees over there. And they just loved it so much that they have taken over uh, and there's been a really big um, effort to eradicate them because well, they were be called away, the right? aliens. Yeah. They, they just loved the soil and they were taking mm. every all the nutrients for themselves. So Looking beautiful, I might add. Did you spot them or did you smell them first? The, How did you? The eucalypts? Yeah, yeah. You can't miss them. They're yeah, everywhere. Right. You, yeah. they just, you recognise them just when Oh, they, well, a gum tree is yeah. a gum tree mm. and, and um, extraordinary to see so many somewhere else in the world. South Africa's beautiful. Pretoria, of course, is the capital. Cape Town is the legislative capital and Bloemfontein is the judicial capital. All oh, right, so there's three different Sort of, areas. yes. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but, and, and, of course, when you go through Johannesburg, you drive past, you would know where they had the World Cup once. When did they hmm. have that been? Some time uh, ago. 2012, Whenever. 12, Yes, maybe. maybe. But then you get to Cape Town, which is truly beautiful. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it does look like a bit of a kind of a supermodel city. It has that incredible landscape and Table Mountain behind it and yes. beautiful beaches and waterfront. It does seem uh, pretty extraordinary to me. There is, there's the, the water frontage of Cape Town is, is just delightful and, of course, that's where you go and eat and you have the most amazing food and mm. it's fresh and wonderful and it has that South African flavour which there's a lot of beef attached to it and a lot of sort of interesting tastes. But when you just walk around Cape Town as a city... It's green and treed and absolutely lovely. And like you said, it's got the mountain behind which you mm. can go up mm-hmm. um, and stand up there and just see the view Did over. Did you go up and check yes. that out? Yes, uh, and, and the view is so beautiful from wow. up there, you can't imagine. It's, it doesn't feel like as big a city as you think, Cape Town. Mm-hmm. It's sort of nestled in this in this bay area and it, it's, it's like you can grab it and hold it <laughs> in its delight. It's so lovely. Oh, nice. Yes. Do you remember, I mean, you're obviously eating some beautiful things. Was it good value? Like do you recall whether, you know, food was expensive? Or? No, I don't think it was. Mm. I think it was good value and it was just lovely to be able to taste all the different flavours there that were specifically South African. But we are going to be speaking to a foodie person oh, who's going to tell us all about it much better than I can. Very, very but good. But certainly a place to visit. And then, of course, you go out to the wine country, which is just amazing. Um, and we were on a coach trip doing that, which was extraordinary. And you go to one of the very big famous wineries there. That, 
and go in and, and feast and try the wines mm. and go through the, the grapevines, then move on to all the other ones up the highway. It is truly a delight. And the wineries themselves, are they beautiful? Oh, they're absolutely gorgeous. Mm. And the buildings that go with them are mm-hmm. as well because you get a mixture of of sort of uh, colonialism architecture yeah. but with that flavour of what is truly Africa down there. Mm. It's just um, It's just beautiful. But I think one of the things that was most wonderful for me over in South Africa was we also took a trip into the hinterland, as it were, to see the wildflowers. Oh, and, beautiful. Oh, dear me. You just were so close with your camera the whole time because you were constantly in the face of some beautiful little yellow daisy or some pink thing that you'd never seen before that just had glorious shapes and colours and was really small and then you get bigger ones because, of course, South Africa, we would like to think not, but South Africa is the home to the geranium. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of their natural flowers, as is the um, proteas. Proteas, thank yeah. you. As is yeah. the protea. Yes, wow, beautiful. So it 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 has um, gardening and flowers and growth very similar to our own. So not only do you feel at home there, but but it is beautiful, as we know. You know, we have an amazing wildflower season in Western Australia. Is it yes. that sort of similar? Thing? Very similar, no. because once you once you get out of your coach, you just want to walk and walk and walk some mm. more and takes people a long time to come back on because they found something else that they want to photograph or just look at um, or just gently touch because it's so extraordinary. That, it, uh, that sounds like a flower safari. Is that what they call that? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. It is a flower safari. Oh. So when you go to South Africa and you are imagining you've got beautiful Cape Town mm. to experience as a city, which is delightful, then you go to the wineries just outside and come back and after you've done all of that, you think it's not going to get much better than this mm. and then you feast on wildflowers. Wow, amazing. It's absolutely delightful to be there. Did you, speaking of safaris, did you, I mean, a lot of people go to South Africa um, with the um, purpose of visiting a game park or going on some kind of safari. Did you do that? Oh, Ben, I wish. That's to come. Okay. Yes, that is absolutely to come because I think, uh, going on safari has to be one of the things I do before I go mm-hmm. to the big safari in the sky. <laughs> yeah, right. The big game park in the sky. Yes. Well, yes. I can imagine. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> so I believe we'll be talking to some very interesting guests about South Africa um, in this episode. So maybe we can we um, are. pick their brains about uh, safaris and um, the so-called big five. At, at, yes. Mm. We're going to keep that mm-hmm. up our sleeve for the mm-hmm. minute. Terrific. And I suspect by the end of the lovely talk spin, we will know what food on a stick you can <laughs> eat. There'd have to be some over there. Right? And and why why and where we should go to those safaris. And uh, when you think about the things you did eat, was there yes. was there much sort of gamey um, uh, yeah, food? Did, was that... Not outstandingly so, but I was very conscious of being quite fresh, mm-hmm. all of it, because you are experiencing the local produce wherever you go. So, no, I don't think so. I just remember each time thinking how satisfying it was and how I could just keep going and eat more. Julia, I mean, we, we always talk about moments. Did you have one in, say, you know, one of those really special travel moments in South Africa? Oh, look, I think one of the most extraordinary experiences I've, I've had travelling was I spent the day riding a bike through Soweto. Oh, wow. And that was um, a mixture of being incredibly eye-opening um, the community was amazingly welcome. 
<laughs> much bigger than I ever thought. There's something like a million people in Soweto, oh, wow. which is huge. Um, and it's a combination of really um, poverty-stricken places right through to extraordinary homes of the millionaires who live there. It's a real mixture it, and probably one of the most illuminating things I've ever done. Wow, an incredible place by the mm. sense of things. Yes. Today we have a real treat, Ben, and a real treat for the listeners because we're going to be talking to Mosilo Sofonia. What a beautiful name. Yeah. And Mosilo is joining us in the studio today as head of South African Tourism's Australia office. Uh-huh. That's big. So, Mosilo, that's an enormous gig and she has a wealth of knowledge to share with us. Welcome, welcome to you. Thanks, Julia. Thanks, Ben, and thanks to everyone who's tuned in. Um, South Africa, amazing extraordinary place to explore. When people go, and and we're talking about flights that go direct from Melbourne or Sydney or just both. Coming into South Africa, out of Australia, we have two direct flights. One would be out of Sydney into Johannesburg and the other out of Perth into Johannesburg. And they're both about 14, 15 hours. Is that how long they are? You've got 14 hours coming from Sydney and then about 10 hours coming out of Perth and they're both late night. Oh, sorry. Perth is a late night flight. Mm. Sydney is a daytime flight. Mm. So when we arrive in Johannesburg, Mosila, what what can we expect to see? Getting into South Africa, most people... The best way to explain it would be it's a feeling. It's really just there's a sensation to it. There's a warmth and it's the people who bring it all together. But South Africa would be most well known for this wildlife and safari experience, which still hold very true. But there's a lot more people can see. You've got a vibrant culture, which you'll pick up a lot in Johannesburg. You've got active adventure. You've got a breathtaking scenery. So Mm. your Table Mountains, your Panorama Route. There's just so much in there that people can expect to see when they come in. So if you're going, for, if you're flying directly into Johannesburg, how many days should you spend there to get the best of that city? Johannesburg, I like to describe Johannesburg as kind of the soul of South Africa. It's not necessarily a scenic city. It's more of a people city. Mm-hmm. So you need to get in there and meet people, talk to people. I would say give yourself a weekend at the least in Johannesburg. The best time to experience it is a weekend. Hence, I highlight that. Mm -hmm. So make it maybe a Friday to a Monday. If you were to describe what Johannesburg looks like, what would you be saying? Johannesburg, it is the largest man-made forest, I would say. So that's what it is known for. So there's lots of vegetation now. It is still a city hub. So there's lots of concrete. There's lots of buildings But there's a lot also coming up now. So there are more little pockets, more cafes coming up. There's a lot of street art that you'll find. So lots of murals, lots of beautiful sculptures that have been put up in different parts of the city. And it's quite busy. I mean, it's the economic hub of the country and even the continent. So it's a busy place. And what is it about the weekends in Johannesburg? The weekends, you've got the markets. The markets are very popular. So there's one in Bramfontein. This is all in Johannesburg. So one is called Neighbor Goods Market. Happens on on a Saturday, you'll find a lot of locals and still a lot of tourists coming in. And there it's just food, there's entertainment, there's drinks, there's little crafts for people who want to buy a few things. There's just a buzz about that area. And in the evenings, there's nice little jazz bars scattered around in that same neighborhood. So again, you've got lots of locals just going about their day and you've got a nice mix of tourists as well. But it keeps it very genuine and authentic. 
That sounds very appealing to me, Julia. Oh, it's very good. And and one of the most interesting things I did over there was uh, you can take a bike ride Mm -hmm. with a group of people through Soweto, which we only ever hear of here in Australia and you think it's not a very big area, but it's... It has millions, literally, of people. How many people are there there? Soweto is actually the biggest township we have in South Africa. It's also the most popular. It is estimated at two and a half million, but that's kind of the official figure. It could go up to as far as four million. And to your experience, Julia, of cycling in Soweto, it's, it's quite a popular experience now. People are picking up on it as people don't want to do buses anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't want to sit at a distance and experience things behind the the, through the window Mm. those days are gone so (laughs) some lovely guys started up a nice cycling experience or tuk-tuk so people depending on your fitness level you can hop on a bicycle go about the different parts of Soweto because you can see from a shack so you can see kind of the the extreme poverty that still does exist in some parts up to the millions where Uh you have millionaires living in Soweto so with that bicycle ride you even make it down to Mandela's old house so It's Which is really it's, something it's, to it's, see it's, when you see Julia, t- what did you say on the on your bike trip? Well, you do go, you do. It's it's sort of like the sh- a lot of shacks. So you're going through a fair bit of poverty, which is confronting. But then you begin to understand what Soweto was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and as you're riding through, there's there's different types of homes that are that mm-hmm. are pointed out to you. Uh, and then someone says, you know, there's three to four million millionaires living here. So mm, mm. you get the understanding of the culture of Soweto, that it is actually a community that that crosses all the sort of socioeconomic groups of the people who live in Soweto. And is it colourful and there's music and uh, food? And- no, it's it's pretty grey oh. in, in most parts because it's sort of shanty and shack-like, but that's what Soweto is. That's the right. experience. And then when you get to Nelson Mandela's house, and I have to say we, Masilo, we talk about on the show when you have moments in travel, single things that stand out in your life, standing in front of Nelson Mandela's house. Wow. Is something yes to, uh, to and then you go up to the markets at the top of that and you're you're in heaven mm. buying all the handicrafts and yeah. food of what Soweto represents. Very crowded area too up there as well. It's exciting very exciting and very yeah wonderful. What would you like to add to it? Because I'd say it's a place that people take a lot of pride in. It wasn't established with pride. We understand it comes from an apartheid history, but now the people who are there take a lot of pride. They've kind of changed their houses around. They've developed little gardens. So you go to places and you've got little food gardens there. You've got shops set up, little cafes even, and you've got the millionaires who also decided not to leave. They Mm. take pride in being there and coming from there. So they haven't left. They've made it home and they've made it accessible to other people. So people have opened up Soweto to say, come, come in and see us. It's not poverty tourism. We are here. These are our homes and we take take pride and Mm -hmm. ownership in them. So again, it's more of a feeling that you get when you're in Soweto. And to your point on Mandela's house, beautiful place. You, you can't go to Soweto and not do Villagazi Street. You also have Desmond Dutu's house, which makes Villagazi the only street in the world to have two Nobel oh, wow. Peace Prize winners who've That's lived amazing. there. So it's a beautiful street to just go there and walk mm-hmm. from the bottom, Desmond Dutu's house, all the way to the top. Crafts, restaurants, Mandela's house. It's an experience. It is actually an experience. It's one that you don't forget and it, it makes South Africa very memorable. But then if we move out of Johannesburg mm. and head down to Cape Town, 
tell us all about that because it is so beautiful. It's on the water and um, it's it's a port city but full of the most yeah, gorgeous I've, gardens. I've never been but every person I know who's been there just goes, it's the most beautiful city in the yes. world. They're blown away by it. It definitely is the most beautiful city mm. in the world. Mm. This city is people but it is scenically beautiful. Mm-hmm. It holds its own. It's got the iconic Table Mountain. So Depending on how the weather is, you'll get a great view of her out to play. You've got mm-hmm. the ocean there. And now more and more, you've got amazing food. The uh-huh. restaurants that are set up in Cape Town are world class. Uh-huh. So if I was to say Cape Town, I'd say scenic beauty. I'd say amazing food and a lot of adventure. You okay. can jump off Signal Hill. You can hike Table Mountain. There's but an you array. can go to the top of Table Mountain, can't yeah. you? And you just can catch a look on car. down. You can catch a cable car, yeah. yes, which is just extraordinary. Yeah. yeah, and not quite, not a huge city, is it? Cape Town. I mean, not as big it's as it's our second biggest city. Okay. It's like, and even economically, it's our second biggest. Okay. Yeah, it's about five million. Oh, it's that many. I think. Yeah. Okay. It's about wow. five million. But you know, if here for you, Ben, mm-hmm. this is going to delight and charm you. <laughs> just outside Cape Town, mm-hmm. begin the wineries oh, that lovely. are world famous. Nice. Yes, it's actually the world's longest wine route, 150 kilometers oh, of winery. A few, a few lie downs on that. Just trip, a few. <laughs> Beautiful top top class wine again. And luckily it's quite accessible from Cape Town. It's about a 30 minute drive into the first town. And from there you can make it all the way, almost cross country to PE, but the closest to Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, that's Port Elizabeth. Um, The first wine, wine region that's probably most known is Stellenbosch or Franschhoek. Uh Franschhoek is also the gourmet capital of South Africa. So you can eat and drink to your heart's content. Is there a wine tram in Franschhoek? Franschhoek has a little wine tram. So again, we don't believe in drinking and driving. Yeah. Pop on the tram, get dropped off at the winery. Perfect. Do it. And what kind heaven, of, heaven for he- you. Heavenly, a absolutely. wine tram. Yeah. Yes. What, yeah. I'm going to take us out of town now yes. onto safaris Great. because one of the things I did was the wildflower trip out of, out of town, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, you, you cannot begin to imagine you just driving through and there's just wildflowers and wildflowers. Um, and But the other safaris, Masilo, what would they be? Once you've done the wildflower one or the flower one, where should you go from there? I'm happy you start with the flower one. Not many people would mention that or yeah. start with it, but it's beautiful and yes, it's it one that beautiful. should be done. If Can I just ask what time of year is that? You've got the Namakolands, which is when now the wildflowers come out from desert, literally Mm -hmm. arid looking land. You just get millions of flowers coming up. That happens July, August. Mm -hmm. It really depends on when it rains, but it's always estimated July to August because come September, October, they can just disappear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you can go to the floristic region and there that's kind of into spring and that lasts a bit longer than the Namakoland. Right. Yeah. On the other safaris yes. that you could experience, a lot of people come to South Africa for the Big Five. Exceptional. It must be seen. Can but you they, rattle off the Big Five? Yes. Big Five. Let's let's yeah. go. Elephant. Yeah. Buffalo. Lion. Leopard. And rhino. Panda. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not Sorry. Not so, I got a cold. Sorry. Just, just let him go, Masilo. <laughs> the Big Five, how exciting. And so are you likely to see some of them, all of them, one of them? Fortunately, I we have nine provinces in South Africa, and I think sev- seven of them have the big five in different um, game parks. So it, depending on where you go, certain game parks are 
have more population of certain species. Yes. But generally, when you go on safari, we do not promise anything to anyone. Mm. We tell everybody it's kind of potluck. But you will get, you'll take a few of those of those big five. But even so, being out in that part of the world must be just amazing if you don't mm. see any of the big five. The country must be extraordinary, is it? It's exceptional. And there's so much more than the big five. Even though as most safaris, you will take quite a few of the big five, yes. if not all. Yes. But even if you don't, maybe you miss the lion for the day. You have so many beautiful creatures. You have hyenas, you have giraffes, mm. you have cheetah, oh. animals that aren't necessarily part of the big five, that, but are equally exceptional to see. And just the air. There's something everyone who I travel with to South Africa always remarks on that African air and the sunset and the sunrise. So it goes beyond the animals at some point. Mm, it's just being in there and taking mm. it all in and the enormity of everything around you just humbles you, I guess. So when you talk about that, I think there's some things that are expected about South Africa. Is there something that you think when travellers arrive that is unexpected and that they just don't... They, they're surprised by it and wouldn't have thought that they were going to see this or experience this in South Africa. I'll say there are three things. Three things that I get from every tourist who's mm-hmm. gone or everyone I've traveled with. First, they remark about the food. People are actually shocked how good the food is. Mm-hmm. I don't know why people have like no expectation or anything, mm-hmm. but people tend not to. And they always get quite pleasantly surprised. People remark about the value for money. So you can get yourself a good three-course dinner easily for $35. Mm-hmm. And that's at a good good place. It's at a winery even, a nice top-notch winery. So value for money comes out always. And the people. A lot of people come out and just say, I didn't realize how warm and just how embracing South Africans in. They really are, sorry. They just bring you in and... You feel at home in a way because everyone just welcomes you. So those are the three things that people always comment back to me. We we talk about here on the show often about uh, moments that you have when you travel, singular uh, experiences that stay in your mind um, uh, and they, they're not necessarily anything special, but like I was saying, Nelson Mandela's house was for me. What would be a moment for you? There's so many. I love stories. I love journeys. So for me, sitting down, I was in Soweto two weeks ago, taking a a media group over there, and we were sitting around a fire on a Sunday night, and we had Antoinette Peterson. She's the sister to Hector Peterson. And she told us just her story and her journey during the apartheid government and when she was on the riot and how she experienced it, and she lost her brother that day. Hector Peterson is known because he was the child who was killed by the apartheid police. So her telling her story and just how she's come to reconcile and grow, for me, that's a moment. Mm. Another moment that always hits, I've been here so many times, but going to Robben Island, mm. well, it's, you, <clears throat> it always hits you. Going into Nelson Mandela's cell, going into the different yards where they used to work and the communal cells and just hearing stories from the guards because the guards are former prisoners themselves. So they tell you their firsthand experience of being in Robben Island. 
for me, those moments never go. Marcela, we could go, keep going with you um, for another hour or so, but we're going to have to leave it here, leave people wondering and just wanting to go to South Africa very quickly. Not such a long flight now, given that's about the distance that we take to go pretty much anywhere, yeah. anywhere, especially mm. from Australia. Mm. Um, thank you enormously for coming to see us. That's just wonderful. And if our listeners want a bit more information, where can they find you or South African Tourism's information in Australia? South African Tourism, you can start with our website, Mm -hmm. which would be www.southafrica.net. Or you could find us on Facebook, which is South African Tourism, ANZ, or on Instagram at South Africa ANZ. Right, we'll pop all of that in the show notes, Julia. Yes, so we will. has got access to it. Masilo, <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, Masilo. It's been wonderful to talk to very you. Very good. Thank you very much. Absolutely wonderful guest today, Ben. Mm-hmm. And we'd like to welcome Abigail Mabalo Mokoena. How beautiful is that name? It's a beautiful name, yeah. To the show. Now, Abigail is a chef who runs a restaurant called Four Roomed Ekazi Culture. Now, Four Roomed was named by Food and Wine magazine as one of the 30 best restaurants in the world. Wow. That is some delicious food there, Ben. Yep. Now, Abigail also appeared in season three yeah. of MasterChef South Africa and wow. did pretty well. Welcome, Abigail, to our show. Hi, thank you. Great hey, pleasure to have you. So what is South African-inspired cuisine, whether it's from your food truck or your pop-up restaurant in the townships? What what does that look like? I mean, I imagine there are many, many influences and all kinds of layers. What does it look like? Mm-hmm. Actually, if, if you look in um, the South African um, history and our cultural landscape, there's a um, lot of um, different cultural backgrounds. And that played a role in the influence of the foods we eat. So you get your Indian influence, Cape Malay influence. And then within the black culture, there's like different cultures um, with different parts from different provinces that actually people move close to the cities. And part of sometimes I call my food a township inside because the township is actually um, um, areas that were designed by the apartheid government for mm-hmm. black people that move closer to the city to live in. But what I wanted to extract out of that is, even though there was this system designed for people to be deprived of certain opportunities, there was a good life lived in those homes, mm-hmm. which actually they are four-roomed homes. You find um, in Cape Town, like in Kukuletu, if you go to Joburg, there will be a Soweto, and other parts of the uh, other provinces of, of, of the country. So there's a good life that I wanted to extract out of that and stepping into my own upbringing and a lot of South Africans share that story and that a lot of South Africans from different um, cultural backgrounds. When we talk about our food, how we would have the curries, which are from the Cape Malay influence and some like the Indian kind of curry um, and the foods we ate, like um, we've got one of our basic staple in South Africa called uh, maize meal, which is like a corn that's been ground so fine. And we cook it in so many different ways. And uh, when I share that story about the food and you'll find people that have grown up in a farm, an African person or a black person that grew up in the rural homeland or the township, we all share the same story around our food. And part of that, again, uh, I felt like as South Africans, we could, this could be something that really, really unify us through our own cuisine because 
as much as we may have different races, but there's something that we are so unique that brings us together. It's our food. So your pop-up restaurant and your trucks do this exactly. They bring your people together because the food is the uniting factor. Yes, yes, yes definitely, yes. So we, we actually have the pop-up. Uh, I, I, I do the fine dining. And then we have our restaurant, which is table. And then we have the food truck as well. So there's like three sections in the food side of things, yeah. yeah. Um, Abigail, what what does a, trava- a traveller to South Africa absolutely need to try? If I can make a recommendation for any traveller to South Africa is um, we, we have beautiful landscape, we have animals, we have all our culture and everything. But I would say even if you're going to try the food, visit the spaces that are hardly that have hardly been in the you know forefront of um of um tourism like mm-hmm. the township because they're like in the peripheries of the of the city area and most travelers will be going to the i'll make an example of uh, cape town the table mountain robin island bna waterfront the ocean winelands and never step in the township but if you come in there's a vibe besides the food that you experience but just to be in that vibe of the people that are there, the culture, hear the stories about what influences are, are our cuisine. I think it will be more than an experience of tasting the cuisine, but it will also be an immersion in the culture of, of the people that live in the space. There, that way you can get a holistic experience of, of what the country has yeah, to beautiful. offer. So mm. it's talking rather than eating mm. or talking then eating. And listening. And listening, yeah. yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's how you can eat as a local if you do that, if you go into the towns like you're saying and just absolutely talk and listen like you said and then you're going to experience mm. the heart of South African yes. food. Yes, yes, yeah. Now just something we'd like to do on the show here, Abigail, is to share a, a simple recipe with our listeners. Do you have one, do you mm-hmm. think, that, that you could get that um, – people can can make, can cook, that is classically South African? Okay, so um, it's called umka. It's M-Q-A. So that is a away, and there's a story behind this dish. It's one of the dishes that has been viewed as a peasant dish, and it's actually one of the yummiest dishes. Um, so it's yummiest. actually made Good. also from the maize corn. But if you don't have the, the maize corn, we can substitute by using our polenta. It, that is actually one of our popular dishes in the restaurant. So I, I, I don't mind sharing that recipe <laughs> because I always believe that, you know, when you cook, there's a soul behind, you know, that stove, behind yeah. that pot that's cooking the dish. So you need a butternut um, or pumpkin dye. Yep. And then you would need um, the polenta or mini meal, as in a South African uh, context, and salt. And then butter is optional. You actually start off by boiling your your butternut and then add your salt and the butter. And then slowly pour in the, the, the mini meal or polenta um, into the pot once it has boiled. So the polenta goes in, slowly being poured in while you're whisking in the pot. Mm-hmm. So what happens, the polenta and the butternut in, um, incorporate together. Mm-hmm. And as you are busy whisking it, you're actually mashing the butternut as well. And, and then once it's done, you leave it to simmer on low heat. And simmer for about 30 to 40 minutes. And it also starts smelling beautifully. And that's your mka, which is pap. Mm-hmm. So pap is one of our South African years. <laughs> there we go. So, so it's, um, it's butternut, butter, 
polenta. Water. Th- then, mm-hmm. the, then water, and you just simmer that. You've mashed up all of it. Then you simmer it and, and wait till the polenta is is cooked. Is it is it a bit of a consistency of yes. mashed potato ish? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. it gets to a consistency of like a mashed potato once it's all incorporated with the polenta and the butternut. And then, um, so for serving, you can serve it with any side vegetables or a meaty dish on the side. What I do, I also add a drizzle of truffle oil when you serve. Oh, so that we was go. so yeah. beautifully, mm. yeah, it's yes. yummy. Mm. <laughs> and we, we always, yeah, um, it gets so yummy. We like to, we always like to match, so match a drink with a meal. <laughs> what, what would we drink with? That and and what's on your drinks menu in Mga. the restaurant? Mga. 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 So here's another one, very interesting as well. Um, again, taking that base, which is mini meal. So there's a drink that is made called amachewu. Amachewu is um, a fermented mini pup uh, drink. Wow. Give that word a go, Ben. Millipup. Yes. No, not millipup, the name of the drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fermented. But um, so, but uh, I mean, it will be too much to have that dish with the yes. one I just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, just, I was just making an example. What else too can be done? Maize. The subtlety mm. of of this meal. Yes, but what I would serve that with is a ginger beer. Oh yes, that is another yes. That is another childhood, um, you know, fondest memory for most South Africans. Having your homemade ginger beer and eating with your um, simple dish. So I would serve that with a ginger beer. You're going to ask for the recipe of the ginger oh. beer, Ben, are you? And we're going to say <laughs> homemade no. ginger beer. We yeah. might we might have to so, see if we can come get the back recipe. to that one. Yes, <laughs> it's interesting that um, <laughs> the idea of the peasant um, dishes and those really simple meals that are often mm. absolutely the best things you can eat in a place. Like they're they're authentic Yay. and real and simple and you know they're just delicious. So uh, Abigail, exactly yes. As you said, you're going to put to give us the email us the recipe. Where can we find out more about what you're doing? Your four room Dekazi culture, your restaurant, your food um, truck, food truck, mm. yes, and and what you are the recipes that go, or just the information that people can take to learn more about South African food and actually cook it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have a website uh, called Forum Gassi Culture, and we're also on um, all the social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, also as Forum Gassi Culture. Thank you so much, Abigail. Thank it was you. an amazing journey you've just taken us on. And um, we can't oh, wait. We, yeah, we can't wait to get over there and um, and come and visit you. Oh, I'm going to do the mga. Me too. I'm mga. going to give it a run. Yes. Mga. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it sounds very good. Wonderful to speak to you. And keep up the very good oh, work that you you're so doing. Okay, our great pleasure to speak oh. to you, Abigail. Thank you very much. Now, we'd like to welcome to the show today Chris Zaya from mm. Lonely Planet. Ben, how exciting is that Terrific. from Lonely Planet? Mm. And Chris has toured South Africa's Cape Winelands, and today he's going to tell us all about it. I, for one, am very interested in hearing about the wine in South Africa. Ben? Me too. Chris, mm-hmm. welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I think I was just saying a little bit earlier to you guys that I think um, Pinot, when I bleed, I bleed Pinot or maybe Shiraz. <laughs> well, that's not a bad problem to have in your life. I would think a lot of people would, would wish for that, which means you've had the pleasure of drinking quite a bit of wine equally in South Africa. 
Yeah, look, South Africa is really, really beautiful. I was there, um, my first visit there was a couple of years ago um, and outside of Cape Town, there's a pretty spectacular um, area called the Cape Winelands, mm-hmm. which takes up, um, it's kind of about half an hour's drive out of, out of Cape Town and there's five really distinct regions. But what's interesting is there's like 28 districts within those regions, each kind of producing something that's a little bit different from one another wow. um, because of the different kinds of soils and the climate that, um, that you'll find in that particular area. So it makes it really diverse and quite an interesting uh, place to tour, you know, right, right from the novice, right to the expert in terms of, uh, in terms of if you're, uh, where your experience lies. We hear a lot about um, South African wines and um, how, how great it is. What is it that you think makes South African wine unique in any particular way? Yeah, I, look, I think it, it, we're... Good wine regions are always kind of blessed with that really great Mediterranean climate. Mm -hmm. And this kind of Cape Winelands area has that in spades. Um, But what is interesting is there are varietals that um, you can get, that they've actually invented for the South African um, climate. So they invented um, uh, a, a... varietal called Pinotage, which is a which is a blend. I think it was made in the early uh, 1920s. Um, and some scientists put it together. It's a light drinking red um, that has kind of really um, some really beautiful kind of cherry kind of flavour to it. So it's a mixture of kind of uh, almost like a lighter Pinot Noir, um, and that is really really distinct across the region. So as well, and they're very very good for a lot of their white varietals. So things like Chenin Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc, um, and they do their own kind of Champagne style um, uh, classic um, uh, sparkling, which they which they yeah, which is also really quite unique. That's called a, a method cap classique, um, mm. and they'll do that with a rosé. They'll do that with a brut, um, and all sorts of bits and pieces. So really interesting way of approaching the wine. Also, the food pairing there is pretty amazing too. Sounds like we could spend quite a bit of time in the winelands. Is that is it a, a sort of a holiday destination in itself? Would you get, get to Cape Town and then head out to the winelands for two, three, four more four days? days? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. That's exactly what we did. So we were there for a week and the first, you would actually hit the first winery within 10 minutes of leaving the airport. It's, that, it's actually that close wow. to um, to the area. So um, so instead of heading towards Cape Town, go the, go the other way mm-hmm. and head towards wine region. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the thing that's really beautiful about this particular area is also the amazing kind of Cape Dutch architecture. So these wineries have these incredible, um, uh, incredible, kind of cellar doors with these beautiful 17th century um, Cape Dutch um, architecture uh, house homesteads or houses um, and they've become their kind of like cellar doors and where you can do all your tastings and bits and pieces lots of restaurants that are attached to them um, so it becomes a really interesting uh, place to go there's also these cute little boutique towns all the way through to places like Stellenbrosch and Frankschuk um, they're great places where you can um, sample wine, watch the zebras in the spring box <laughs> and eat some great food. I, th- I think um, some Australians may well have heard of um, Stellenbosch uh, and the, the wineries of, of that place. Can you tell us a little bit more about Stellenbosch? Yeah, so Stellenbosch is kind of the boutique centre of, um, of the area there. It's really beautiful to kind of tree-lined streets. 
um, the city, the kind of city itself is only about got about 20,000 residents, but it's got mm. a real emphasis on kind of like that cafe style living, great little wine bars and boutique shops. And it's a really great place to kind of park yourself. Um, there's actually five distinct wine routes out of Stellenbosch itself. So mm. you could almost spend the whole time just in this one little, in this one little city, but it's a really good place to be able to kind of explore the wider region. Um, one of my faves uh, uh, that we went to in our last visit was uh, with this, I'm going to absolutely muck up my um, my Dutch here, so bear with bear with me. Mm-hmm. It's Bergenucht, um, which is the winery. Sounds pretty which, good to us. <laughs> one Ben which, hasn't tried yet. <laughs> yeah. So it is a beautiful winery that has you know everything that you want from it. The Cape Dutch, uh, Cape Dutch architecture. We did a half a day red blending course where you walk away with your own bottle of red that's oh, wow. labelled. Love um, And then. It's got the great Indian runner ducks. So it's got these beautiful ducks that are used um, to keep down as pest control. So they eat a lot of the um, the bugs and bits and pieces off of the vines themselves. And the ducks, and I'm talking thousands of ducks, do a run every day through the vineyards. Oh, and you're able to kind of fantastic. sit there and witness that. It's amazing. The great running so, of the ducks. Yeah, which which it, it brings me back to something you said a little earlier, and I hope it's none of these, but you said it's great pairings. They have great pairings with foods. <laughs> yeah. What 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 are some of the specifically not, some of the South African foods that they they pair the wines with? And please let's not say Peking duck mm. or something, or, or <laughs> Cape Town dark. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Look, the Indian runner ducks I don't necessarily think makes a good eating, but they're good. Made lucky ducks. Idiots. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very meat heavy kind of uh, a, a kind of society. Like you do have that kind of biltong, which is the yes. you know the thinly sliced air dried meat that is. Um, often made from springbok itself so it's quite gamey and kind of texture but what i found was really interesting was they're heavily influenced by obviously the dutch but also indonesian and indian so you'll find a lot of like curries and with their own kind of like local spin using kind of a lot of local ingredients which i found quite an interesting thing but you'll find a lot of the desserts in particular are very dutch oriented so there's this delicious thing called a mulva pudding which is like a sticky date pudding but it's made with apricot jam um, simmer, you know, it's like swimming in this kind of thick, syrupy, creamy sauce and it's the perfect way to kind of like, you know, knock off a um, a, a great kind of long lunch. Mm. But again, cheat like local cheeses, you know, we were driving around, you know, it just happened upon a coffee roaster that was doing its own fe- um, fresh pastries. It's, the, it's that kind of place which you just want to explore. Sounds pretty heavenly, doesn't it, Julia? Does does it? Now, do you, can you you self drive, but you take tours as well, um, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we self drove, so which meant that one of us had to be a designated driver all the time. <laughs> there are lots of um, there are lots of tours that you can do outside if you base yourself in places like Stellenbosch or Frankschuk, which are the major centres. Um, and you can even do things like so. There's a, um, there's a great winery in Frankschuk called Chamonix, which actually does a wine and game drive. So you'll drive through, look at the wildebeest, the springbok, the zebras, and at the end of it, you'll be able to sit down and have a glass of sparkling. So, oh, you know, wow. so, you, 
So there's a stack of things to do in the area. And the other bit that I love is, you know, with the Australian dollar as it is, <laughs> we're actually getting great value for money. So the most expensive part of your trip there will probably be your flights. Um, so everything else, the conversion rate is absolutely magic um, for us at the minute. So um, it's one to, if you're thinking about, you know, going and touring somewhere completely unique, um, this is this is a little perfect patch of the planet. And I remember too that the accommodation is, is quite lovely, isn't it, in, in all those parts? Oh, outstanding. Lots yes. of B&Bs and lots of, you know, obviously with Airbnb coming onto the force over the last couple of years, that's really kind of up the ante. But some beautiful kind of old world hotels in, uh, particularly in Stellenbosch that kind of date back to sort of like the 18th century. Great kind of architecture. And again, service is exemplary. So um, I, I, I cannot um, fault uh, South Africa for its service when it comes to those kind of things. It's And it's such a pretty green part of the world down there, isn't it? I mean, the scene when you're going through it and the, like you say the architecture it's just spellbinding every which way you look it really is and I mean we were driving along and we happened to cross an ostrich just on the side <laughs> of the road as you do but it is kind of that dramatic scenery because it is bordered by um, a beautiful range and these kind of craggy hills just kind of jut up out of the um, out of the ground and then they're just really beautifully bordered with all these lush green vineyards. Um, and as you say, the Cape Dutch architecture, which is that brilliant white. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it yep. goes against kind of the greens and then the browns of the mountains. It really is a very, very pretty part of the world. Great. Uh, Ben's hanging out for a, a sighting of a giraffe. That's not likely to happen down that part of the world, though, is it? No, I think you need to go a little bit further across uh, in South Africa. But, yeah, <laughs> a giraffe crossing the road is a really wow I'll leave that with you, Ben. <laughs> we do uh, we do talk about moments, um, Chris, on this show, and just wondering if you had one of those moments in South Africa when you just you know your heart skips a beat and you're, you're really taken aback by something that's um, you've just you've just seen. Did you have one? Yeah. We were we were we just done a um, so we were at Chamonix, which is um, which actually has a sparkling uh, course that you do, and so we were having a tasting of the sparkling um, uh, wines, and then we kind of happened to come out with glass in hand, um, just walked a little bit further up the field, and there is a field of zebra, like just oh, <laughs> and I was like, that, that, what that's a is moment going on. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we're kind of standing there with a glass of really beautiful sparkling with this field of zebra just kind of grazing and it was completely accidental. You know when you kind of happen out of a little bit of a wooded area and then all of a sudden you're in something that you didn't quite realise? Mm. Just beautiful and it will stick with us forever. It was really, it was a great moment. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's a moment that it'd be hard to beat, mm. that one. Um, can you recommend any South African wines that you can buy here in Australia? Unfortunately, yeah. without the view of the zebras, damn it, but nonetheless, <laughs> we can dream. Yeah, we can dream, right. So, look, um, most of your large bottle uh, colour chains do actually have a small um, area for South African wine within them. Mm -hmm. But the place that I like the most, which actually has the biggest uh, range or the largest selection of South African wines in Australia, is something called copperandoak.com.au. Um, it's an online portal. They'll be able to – they have all the pinotages on there, which is that South African varietal 
a lot of the really um, pre, um, premium uh, Chenin Blancs, which they do very well. Some of the sparklings that we were mentioning before as well. So that's a great place to um, uh, to source a lot of those particular wines. Um, so that's called copperandoak.com.au, right, we'll, a really good one. Yeah, we'll, we'll, um, we'll pop those details in the show notes for our listeners to, um, to be able to access it. Chris, enormously pleasurable to speak to you. Um, I will go and uh, – I feel like a pinotage. Right? Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yes, yeah. me too. I think, yes. It's right. new light Great red. Talking. I can't think of anything better than a new light red. Going to be my new favourite, Ben. Chris, uh, fabulous, and what a moment. Lucky you. <laughs> thanks, guys. We'll speak again soon, yeah? Terrific. Thank, Great to thanks, speak Chris. to you. Ben, you know what? This is just such a wonderful pastime, sitting here and talking about it. Not quite as good as going, but however... It's up there. uh, It is, isn't it? Mm. Enough to fill the travel soul, I Mm -hmm. have to say. So um, I totally enjoy it. Thank you for all your information too. I love nothing more than a good bit of travel natter. Me too. Mm. Yes. Mm. And you're good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And listeners, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and uh, tell your friends and family all about Taste by Traveller. And we love hearing from you. So be sure to leave comments wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we look forward to taking you on another journey soon. See you later, Ben. Ciao. And listeners, bye. Bye.